we've been in a series uh, around growing up, growing up in the things of God, growing up and maturing in our faith, in our Christian walk. And I want to continue with that this morning um, and just continue around an area of, of how the Lord prunes us, how the Lord disciplines us, corrects us, instructs us. Uh, because it's such an instrumental part of our walk. And if we're not in a place of receiving that, receiving the pruning in our life, then we will uh, we'll fight against it. We'll resist. And, of course, then there's no change in our life. And we don't want to look like babies, right? We want to we be mature Christians, a, a house full of mature Christians in this place. So I want to read uh, our first scripture this morning out of Hebrews 12. If you can turn with me there to Hebrews 12, uh, verse 5. Hebrews 12, 5. And let's read down through uh, verse 11. It says, and have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you enduring, endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons, for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily in the subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Get that. It says, for our profit. For our profit. He, he's not doing it just for fun. It's for our profit. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this word. I thank you, Lord, that, that you call us sons and daughters. You have called us in. And Lord, it's by your chastening, by your discipline and your uh, correction, your instruction. It's how we grow and it's how you even show us that you love us and that you care for us. So I pray, Father, that you would shed light on this word this morning for the entrance of your word brings light to us. So I pray that you shine light on every dark area of our understanding, that we would receive the word of God with power, with strength, and with transformation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now it starts out, it says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Do not despise. Now it's interesting because this word despise means to, uh, to regard lightly. Do not regard this lightly. Do not regard chastening as a light thing. In fact, another interpretation is it, listen to this, to neglect habitually. To neglect habitually. That means if the Lord is chastening us, if he's correcting us, if he's giving us instruction, and if we despise it or neglect it habitually, then we're considered to be despising the Lord's correction. If we continually shove it off and say, I don't want to do that, I don't want to heed to that, then we're despising the Lord's correction. We're despising what it is that he's trying to do in our life. So we have to make sure that we're not uh, despising his instruction, despising his uh, correction, his discipline, his training in our lives. We must be in a place where we're ready to receive it and to actually, like it says, re realize it's for our profit. It's for our benefit that he does these things. It's not 
uh, just to, to have a, you know, something in hand to smack our hand with. No, he's trying to chasten, trying to discipline, to train us in the ways of the word so that righteousness, the fruit of righteousness comes out of our life. When we have the fruit of righteousness, it brings peace. When we are in right standing with the Lord and we are in right standing with his principles, it brings peace into our life. So it's actually a good thing. Now, if we're looking at it and, and thinking, uh, you know, I don't have such a great uh, representation in my mind of a father because we know that there are, are cases where fathers have been a wrong model. Uh, before us, earthly fathers that have been a wrong model. And many times that can skew our idea of our Heavenly Father because we'll see him as only the corrector, only the disciplinarian, only the one with authority and ready to just take us down and not realize that there is a loving side to our Heavenly Father. And, and the reason he does this and how he does it is actually in a gentle way. He doesn't do it in a way that is harsh. He doesn't do it in a way of, of lightning bolts ready to strike us down. In fact, he wants our cooperation. And when we cooperate with him, it's a gentle process. It's a molding process. It's when we resist his correction, that's when things can begin to, not because he wants to make it difficult, but there are times when we have to change, otherwise it's going to bring us more harm. So there might be more pressure that's put on us, but it's still done in such a way that it is really gentle in comparison to the enemy and what he has for your life. So we've got, to, we've got to look at his instruction, his discipline, as a good thing. We shouldn't ever look at the Holy Spirit and his conviction and his leading as something that we despise, ever. It should be something that we actually love. Thank you, Lord, that you're correcting me in this. Thank you, Father, that you're teaching me. Thank you, Lord, that you're showing me a better way a more valuable way, a profitable way. So we should look at it in that sense. And in fact, it goes on to say that it says, if you are without chastening, in verse 8, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. If we refuse his instruction, if we refuse his correction, then we're actually creating ourselves to be an illegitimate son. Illegitimate son is, is a child that is born out of wedlock. An illegitimate child is, in this case, it's not because God wanted it that way, but because we're choosing to walk out of the covenant. We're choosing to walk outside of his principles and his ways, his laws. And it's like we're walking out of the covenant of God. Many times people want to walk out, but then they go, God, why is this happening to me? Well, I wasn't the one that moved. I have been here all the time, here where my blessings remain, and you went that way. You chose to walk a different way. So if you want the blessing of God, then you've got to come back under the umbrella of the blessing and not walk in your own way. So First, I wanted to touch on that so you could see that the Lord chastens those he loves. So you should be excited. You should be like, if you felt the conviction of God upon your life, you should be excited. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you love me and that you desire to correct me because that means you love me. And that means you call me one of your own. So let's turn over to John. And I want to really uh, dig in this morning, John 15. We're going to look at a passage here that Jesus was leaving with his disciples before going to the cross. It was one of the last, uh, really, sermons and teachings that he was leaving with them, and it's very precious. Um, I, love, I love preaching about, about anything that has to do with planting and plants and, and things that, that grow because there's so much depth in it. And there's so much goodness that we can receive out of it. Uh, John 15, verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, 
and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, I wanted to read that that whole part. We're not going to be going through all of that this morning, but I wanted to read through the whole thing so you have the the understanding of the full uh, context of what's going on there. But I want to focus just on the first, probably all we'll get through is the first uh, two to three passages this morning. And it starts out, he says, I, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And I know oftentimes we think of the vine as the part that trails off and climbs. And, and, but really, the vine is considered the, the stem, uh, what we would call the stem that grows uh, from the roots out of the ground. That is what's considered the vine. And God the Father is the vine dresser, the one that is uh, going through and taking care of the vines. He owns the vineyard, and he's the one that takes care of the vines, the grapes, the fruit. So it, it, it seems to only make sense. It's his vineyard. It's his crop. It's his property. He wants the most fruit that he can get out of it, Right? So he has an invested interest in this vineyard, and he wants to see the most come out of it as he can. So he's going to care for it properly, and he's going to care for it in a way that's loving. In fact, I was, I was reading a book about uh, a guy that had written um, about uh, his father's vineyard because he grew up watching his father who owned a vineyard and he grew up all of those years watching him year after year after year and there were things that in fact most of the time he would never hire out help unless it was for the 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 things that were not as important but all the important things he would take care of himself and he never allowed his vineyard to grow beyond his capacity because he wanted to give that much care and that much love to his vineyard that he didn't want to hire someone else out, that they did a sloppy job in taking care of the vineyard because they didn't care. And I believe the same thing with our father. He, he has such an invested interest in your life. So many times people think, well, you know, God's just up there far away. He doesn't pay much attention to what goes on in my life or he's not caring about the small things or whatever it may be. He doesn't care about the details. Yes, he does. Because every detail of your life is important to you and it affects you. And it affects how your life is going to be destined and how it's going to, how you're going to respond and react. So he cares for every detail. And he takes an invested interest into every detail. And, of course, we see through this passage, he says, I want you to bear fruit. I want you to be fruitful so that your joy will be full. He cares about you being full of joy. He wants you 
to be full of his joyfulness and full of the the blessing of God. And he says, I, I want to answer your prayer. You ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you desire, and those things will be answered. I want you to be full of joy because whenever you're fruitful, then you become a light and a witness to those around you. And so God, our Father, loves us. This is not something when we think of the, the son being corrected or instructed or trained, we shouldn't be looking at it as, you know, God far off with, a, with his, you know, lightning bolt ready to, to strike. No, he's in the vineyard walking up and down, the, looking at each plant, taking the time with each one to see what does this particular one need. What does this particular branch need? And how do I make it produce the best of its ability? Verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, I want to I go over verse 3 before I, I go over verse 2. Is that okay? Is that going to mess anybody up? But 2 comes before 3. I know, but I, I just want to touch on verse 3 quickly. It says, you're already clean. He's telling his disciples, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. The word, the washing of the word. We talk a lot about it renewing our mind, right? We take the word of God, we allow it to renew our mind, to change our thinking in the light of the word. We, we transform our thinking, renew our thinking to the ways of the word because the word is truth and it is all authority. And he's saying, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, when we're talking about uh, plants or vineyards, you know, the, the plants can get dirty easily. And if the fruit starts to come on, if the branches are heavy, if there's too much on that branch uh, and it's, it's stronger or bigger than the, um, the what is able to support it, it'll start lopping over and, and the fruit itself will touch the ground. Well, when it touches the ground and gets dirty, guess what? It begins to rot. Fruit that gets dirty begins to rot. Well, that's a, that's a sign of, of being in the world, being in sin, allowing the things of the world to touch us, contaminate us, cause us to be dirty. When that happens, then that fruit begins to rot. There are parts of our lives that if we're not careful and it touches the ground, it can become dirty and it can begin to rot before it's time. And then there's no fruit. Have you ever got one of those packs of strawberries from the, the uh, store? And then you get in there after you got it home, and then there's like four of them all bunched together, and it started to rot. And it's like, ah, oh, man, I lost half of the, you know, the batch here. It, and it's gross. Like a, a rotten strawberry is disgusting. Like any fruit, any vegetable that's rotten is disgusting. I remember one time years ago we went to um, Wendy's, <laughs> and it was dark. It was already, you know, the sun had went down, so we had went through the drive-thru, and we ordered, and I, I wanted a salad. And I got this salad, and so I'm, we're eating it, but I'm eating it in the dark. You know, we're on our way somewhere. And so I'm eating it in the dark, and next thing I know, I crunch down, and there's this rotten cucumber <laughs> that I ate, and it was so disgusting. So the window's coming down, and I'm spitting it out. And I never have ordered <laughs> a salad from a fast food restaurant since then because that is in my mind, and I just can't. I'm just like, no. But rotten fruits and vegetables are disgusting and they start to smell they start to stink it's great for compost but not to eat and so you know when he says you're already clean because the word i have spoken to you he's saying 
The word is your standard. The word is what I speak to you, and it renews your mind. Because what happens is when you have a, a vegetable plant or a grapevine, what you're doing is you many times you have to put a stake in the ground to tie that thing to. If you've raised tomatoes, this will be a familiar thing. You put a stake out for the tomatoes so you can tie it to that stake. Otherwise, when the fruit starts coming on, it begins to get lopsided and the fruit can touch the ground or it'll break the branches off. And so he's saying, the word that I have spoken to you is your standard. The word, and you are clean because I have tied you up with the word. The word is like, in, in, the, in the plant scenario, is like the stake. It's like the, the wire or anything that you would tie it to. Beans, if you grow pole beans, they have to be uh, supported by a trellis of some sort. And there's, there's you know, hay bale twine or wire or something that you're going to allow that thing to grow on so it doesn't rot. So the fruit, does, you don't lose your fruit by it rotting. And so he's saying, I have tied you up with the word. I have spoken the word over you, to you. These three years I have been, been with you, I have renewed your thinking and your mind according to the word of God. How you're supposed to live, the standard that you're supposed to go by. When you do this, then you remain clean. But you must be tied up with the word. This part here is training. You're training the vine. You're training the plant. And so when you're training that plant, you're, you're pulling it into alignment with where it needs to grow. But that plant doesn't want to do that on its own. In fact, if you let it go on its own, it's, go it's going to grow down, it's going to grow out, it's going to get bushy, it's going to get heavy, it's going to get top heavy. It's going to just grow however it wants to with, with no uh, discipline, so to speak. And so this plant has got to be tied up with the word. That's called the training or the discipline. Now, why is that important? What does that mean in our life? Because many times the training or the discipline in this are the patterns in the routines of our lifestyle. When we get saved, the Lord starts dealing with us very quickly that we need to pray we need to read his word. In fact, in the beginning, so many times when we're, when we're first saved, he puts that in us. You know, the new Christians, they're so excited and they just want to eat the word. They're like sponges. They're like, give me more. I just want to grow in the word. And it's like the seed that gets planted in them is the seed that causes them to hunger for the word. Now, over time, we have to be careful because people can gravitate away from that. But he's wanting that discipline, that pattern, that routine in our life. And so all of these trainings, tying up with the word, are trainings or disciplines, patterns in our life, routines that he wants us to follow and build into our life. Why is that important? Prayer, worship, not just Sunday morning worship, but worship, a lifestyle of worship. Praise, the, the reading of the word. Making sure that we're hearing his voice and responding to his voice. Listening to sermons. These are all things that need to be built into our lifestyle, not just on a once a week or, yeah, one time a week thing. This should be a daily pattern, a daily thing that we're bringing into our life. These are patterns, routines. If we don't have this in our life, the reason he starts doing this early, training early, is because if we don't have this and then we, when we go through a strenuous time, when we go through a time that's difficult, then we won't have this to fall on. Or all of a sudden, we're in the middle of the storm, and then we're trying to grab a hold of these things, and they're not patterned in our lives. And so he's trying to train us in the beginning, train us, discipline us in the routines of a Christian walk. And these things are not just to only if I feel, well, I'm not feeling it. I, you know, I'm just not, just don't feel like reading my word lately. Just don't feel like worship. I just don't feel like going to church. I just don't feel like, these are not feeling motivated things. These are things that we do because they're the right thing to do for a Christian. It is what's going to keep us strong. It's what's going to keep us healthy in a spiritual walk. 
So if we want healthy spiritual walks, then we must activate the routines and the patterns in our life. If we don't, what happens? He says, if you end up uh, apart from the vine, Jesus, the word, then you're going to wither. You're going to wither. Because I'm sure all of you have seen uh, something that's been pulled off of a, a plant without it being attached to that plant it begins to wither. It can't survive on its own. It has to get the nutrition and the, the sap from the plant, from the main plant. And so if we disconnect the patterns in our life, the routines in our life that God tells us to have built in, then we start to wither. We start to wither. In fact, uh, hold that place in John for a second and go to Jeremiah. I want you to see uh, this passage of scripture in Jeremiah chapter 17. Five through eight. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. It says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. And see, this is what happens when, when we are not abiding in the word. What do we do? We trust in man. We trust in man's solutions. We trust in man's uh, ideas, in their philosophy. If we're trusting in man, then it says that we're cursed. We'll, we'll bring a curse upon us. Why? Because we're not doing it the we're not doing it the word way. We're not doing it God's way. It says, "Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord." He's withering, right? He's departed. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when he comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Because what? Their roots grow deep. Their roots grow down into the river, down by the riverbank, where it can draw its nourishment. In fact, farmers have something they call deep watering. Now, it's interesting because what they're doing is, in fact, the, you know, the, the book that I was reading about the, the guy that his father was a, a vineyard or a vine dresser, he would deep water his, his whole vineyard. And what what it is is it's causing the water because most of the time whenever you pour a bunch of water on your plants, if you go out and water your plant and it, if it, you put too much, then it creates a puddle around your plant. Well, that'll either run off and just the top surface, the first uh, couple of inches will get water, but that'll dry up very quickly in the sun. So the, the surface of the soil dries up. But if you deep water then you cause the water to go down 8, 9 inches, 12 inches into your soil. It causes the roots to grow deeper to go and search for that water. So then when the drought comes and there's drought on the surface, those roots are already down deep gathering water from underneath 8 inches. They're already very well-rooted, so they're not going to be. That's why it says if they're well-rooted, they're not going to fear when the drought comes. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not dry up. They will still bear fruit even in the drought. Why? Because they rooted themselves. They deep-rooted themselves early on. Now, this is something that we have to choose to do. 
We have to deep root ourselves. We have to go deep watering, so to speak. <laughs> go digging for the water of the word, which causes us to go deeper with God. It causes us to draw from the nourishment of his word so that when the hard time comes, when the storm comes, when the drought comes, when it seems to be dry, when the economy's a mess, when the world's a mess, when everybody else is affected, then you aren't feeling the effects because you're root are deep in the word of God and you're still bearing fruit and your leaf does not wither praise the Lord that's a good place to be in hallelujah so those those are the disciplines those are the training uh, that we have to position ourselves in to reap the benefits in fact uh, those of you that went to Melanie's um, life group uh, a week or so ago, she made the comment, it was a very good uh, lesson that she did with Elisha and Naaman. And she made the comment that, you know, Naaman wanted to come and, and, and he wanted Elisha to just kind of come out and wave his hand and everything be healed. And she said, but if he would have done that, oftentimes what we want from the Lord is just wave your hand, Lord, and I'll be healed. Just wave your hand, Lord, and I'll, I'll be uh, perfect. Just wave your hand, Lord, and I'll take all of this away. Wave your hand, Lord, and, and just heal me of this, of this issue. But she said, if God does that, in, not in every situation, but in some situations, will we be able to handle that newness because will, will we keep the same patterns in our life and bring on the same destruction? Because some things are not just a, not just a, a sickness or disease that's rooted from hell. Some things are brought on because of the patterns and the self-destructive behaviors that we're doing. And Naaman was like, well, I thought he was just going to come out and just wave his hand and just make me better. But he had to actually do something. He had to go to that muddy water and dip seven times. He had to do something himself about it. And so many times it's the same thing with us. We're wanting God just solve our problem, but he's wanting us to break some things in our own life and understand what we need to fix ourselves. Training, training, disciplines. All right, let's, let's go to, uh, to verse 2. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That it may what? Bear more fruit. So he's not pruning just to prune. He's not cutting it off just to cut it off and say, well, you know what? I just feel like doing some surgery on you. No, he wants you to bear more fruit. He wants you to be more fruitful than what you already are. So it's actually a good thing. It's not a matter of, of you know, him just doing it because, well, I just want you to cut this out of your life. I just want you to, to fix this thing. I just want you to, to look like a more spiritual Christian. No, he's doing it so you will bear more fruit, that you will be more fruitful in your life. Well, now there's, there's a couple things happening here. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. There are things that grow on a plant that are called suckers. If you raise tomato plants, you'll be familiar with the, the sucker branches. In fact, uh, Jesse grew tomatoes. Jesse's funny. Jesse likes to grow things, and he likes to plant things, but then he like, I, I don't eat the vegetables. I don't... <laughs> he gives it away. So I'm like, awesome. That, this is a good relationship here. It works for me. <laughs> but he had these tomato, he hadn't planted tomato plants before. So he, he had planted tomato plants last year. And, and I said, well, Jesse, you got you to gotta break off of the sucker limbs because if not, it'll draw all of the sap and the energy and the strength from the plant because it's pulling the nutrition from that limb. Because if you have the stalk... And then you've got the, the, the branch that's growing out, but then underneath that is what looks like another branch. And it's coming from that same joint, that same place. Well, that, that has to be broken off. It looks great. It looks like you've got a very full plant. And in fact, by the time I was done with his plant, it looked like I had, had 
uh, you know, taken off a whole nother plant. <laughs> and it's all laying in a pile. And it would look like I was hurting the thing, but I wasn't. I was taking off all the, all the sucker limbs so that it could be more fruitful and put its energy into the fruit, not into these things that look like limbs, but they don't produce anything. Those sucker, those sucker limbs, those things that have to be taken off are things in our life that waste our time. They waste our energy. They waste our strength. It takes the sap out of our life. And we have to recognize when God is telling us this thing here, this person here, this environment here is sucking the time, the energy out of you, and it's not going to produce anything. You can pour a bunch of time into it. You can be around it a lot. But if it's taking all the energy from you and now you don't have it to bear fruit, then you need to get rid of it. And so God is telling us we got to get rid of the sucker limbs. The things that you come out of church knowing is awesome. God said I got to get rid of the sucker limbs in my life. Now, the thing is, this can be, be very deceptive because it makes the plant look very full. It does. It makes it look healthy. It makes it look like it's doing a lot. <laughs> but it's really draining it of its strength. And it's draining it of being able to bear more fruit. So it can look busy. It can, it can look, we can look busy, right? We can look like we're doing all kinds of things. But will that thing bear fruit? Is it tied to God? Does it produce good fruit in our life? We have to ask ourselves those questions. Because there's, there's been, you know, through, through my life, I've had to ask myself, you know, is this thing bearing fruit? It, or is this just taking up a lot of time and energy for me? And I need this time and energy for something else more productive. And I'll have to cut that thing off. I'll have to take that, that sucker off and, and throw it away. So only you can answer that question of what you need to do. But once all those sucker limbs are taken off, guess what? That plant gets more nutrition and gets more sunlight. It gets more sunlight. It's able to get more revelation. It's able to get more nutrition. It's able to get more energy. It's able to get more understanding from the word because it's able to spend time doing what it's supposed to be doing. Now, what about the second part? He says, the branches that do bear fruit, I prune. I prune. Well, this is different. Pruning is with uh, a pair of shears, so it, it looks a little scary, you know, because the sucker plants, you just, you just, you know, take them off. But the, the pruning, you know, you got this sharp object <laughs> that comes out and begins to cut. It's like doing surgery. It begins to cut away the actual limbs that are producing fruit. What? Lord, what are you doing? That was producing. I had some really healthy fruit off of that. Why are you cutting it back? Well, there can be a variety of reasons, and I want to go th through those, but for a second, I want, Mejia, do you have that slide ready? Because I, wanna, I want you to see a uh, before and after picture this is, the one on the left is what has been pruned. The row on the right is what has not been pruned. Now, the one on the left looks dead, but it's not, it's not dead. It's being prepared for next season. It's being prepared for the next harvest. And the one on the, the right looks full. And right now you would say, yeah, it's more healthy. It's, it's, it's doing better. But that's the deceiving part. Is next year, when the harvest comes, when the fruit comes, the one on the left will actually produce better, and the fruit will look better than the one on the right. Now, pruning is something that happens continuously in our life. A plant does not get pruned unless it's an annual, you know, tomato plants you start every year. But if it's a shrub or if it's a tree or if it's something that stays 
in the ground year after year. It gets pruned every year. It doesn't get pruned once in its life. And say, okay, you went through the pruning process, you're done. You don't have to ever do that again. No, it gets pruned every year. Every season, it gets pruned. But it's for the good of the plant. And it's to make sure that it continues to produce a healthy harvest. Now, this pruning can feel just like what it is, cutting away. A cutting away. In fact, it can feel like a loss. And that's why when, when we're being pruned, when he's pruning us, we have to be very sensitive to the spirit. In fact, the scripture that I read last week out of Hebrews, when it says uh, that the, the person that is unskilled in the word and the person that's skilled in the word, those that need milk and or uh, milk and then move on to solid food. It says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age or mature, that is, those who by reason of use or exercising their, their, the, the use of the word have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil, to discern both good and evil. This is a time when you have to have discernment. Because you've got to be able to discern, is the Lord pruning me or is the enemy attacking me? Because sometimes we can be being pruned and we're fighting the devil. I bind you in Jesus' name. And we're like, you can't do that. And, and we're binding and, and it, you know, going to warfare against the enemy when the Lord's trying to prune us. And he's trying to, to cut some things off or to deal with us so that, that we can produce more fruit. And we think that it's the enemy coming after us. So there's discernment that has to happen. There's a, a sensitivity that we, and it can be confusing at times because the whole pruning process, it does feel like a loss. It feels like a, a surgery. Why is this going on? Why is this being taken from me? Why, is, why am I struggling? Why does it feel like everything's against me right now? When in actuality, it might be pruning. Now, I'm not going to get on to the other side of, the, of, of what to do when it's the enemy because we're focusing on pruning today. But with the whole pruning, it can feel like a loss. It can feel like, you know, what's going on in my finances? What's going on with my relationships? What's going on with this job? What's going on with, with my family and with children, with whatever it may be? Why is just this season, this moment is, is just confusing? It just feels like something is off. It feels like I'm, I'm even losing relationships or losing uh, certain things or a job in my life. There may be a reason for it, and you've got to, you've got to ask the Lord, and you've got to be uh, discerning in your heart and in your spirit with what the Lord is telling you. Stay plugged in, stay close to me, abide in me, and I'll show you how to get through this and what you need to do. But what happens if we don't realize it's the Lord pruning us and we're fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, and we're like, no, get the shears away from me, and we're fighting that thing. Well, God's, the thing is, most of the time, it's just going to continue to gain pressure. Because God's like, no, honey, you got to understand, this has got to come off. And so it just, more pressure, more pressure, more pressure. Why is this getting worse? And we're praying and we're praying, and we don't understand why it's getting worse. Now, understand, I'm not ever saying that the, that the Lord is going to bring on you things of uh, terrible things, like sickness, disease, things like that. We know that there are certain things that come from the enemy. We know that. But when things just feel like, what is going on? What's, what's going on with the, the, the trouble, the issues, the problems here? So we have to be discerning. Uh, even possessions, security, uh, things that <laughs> has been our, secure, our security for so long, and, and now that's getting ripped away from us. What happened? These things can oftentimes make us want to withdraw. They can oftentimes make us want to run back to the place where we were comfortable. 
And the enemy will say, this wasn't worth it. You've been doing all of these things right. And now this happened. You've been doing all of these things, and you wasted your time. You wasted your finances. You poured out your heart in this matter. And now it feels like this person just crushed it. This person just left. This, this situation, this friendship, or, or you know, you, you work so hard at this job, and now it's unrecognized. Now they don't care if you come or go. Now it's like God's closing this door. I put my all into that. But it's like the Lord's closing that. The thing is, we have to realize in those moments, we can't withdraw. We need to refocus. Because in those moments, there is a refocusing because our vision got blurred. Because we don't always see what the Lord's doing. We don't always see it until after we've come through it some and then look back and go, oh, that makes sense now. I needed that out of my life. That makes sense because that person was going to destroy me. That job was going to destroy me. Whatever it may be, I realize that needed to come out. I needed to be done with that. But we don't always see at the moment. And so our vision gets blurred. And we're, we're looking and, and we're like, God, what's going on? So there is a time of refocusing, but you need to refocus without retreating. Don't retreat in those moments where you're going, forget it. You know what? God, I gave you all of it, and you look at what happened and just forget it. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing this principle. I don't care. I'm not, doing the, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm not going to whatever it may be. Don't retreat because more fruit is coming. The harvest is coming. And the thing is, if you remember when Jesus, when the devil came and tempted Jesus in the wilderness, and of course, he defeated him, he brought the word in, brought the word in, brought the word in. And the enemy, it said that the enemy left him for a more opportune time, a more opportune time. These moments are opportune times for the enemy. So we have to be aware that he will use those moments to try to come in and derail what God is doing in your life. So refocus, but don't retreat. Don't retreat. I had four, four areas of pruning. I'll go through them really quickly. Because I didn't know whether or not um, to ask you for tonight. I'll go through them really quickly. Four areas of pruning. I'll make it fast. Um, what are four areas in our lives that, that we can be pruned in? And why does the Lord... Why does the Lord do it? Number one, to remove any dead or dying things in our life. Dead or dying things in our life. It has to be cut off because, again, it pulls uh, the life from you. And if you keep trying to hold on to a dead or dying thing, it will affect you. It will draw the strength out of you. It could be, uh, like I said, it could be something in your life that you don't realize is dying. There have been times in our life where God has protected us where maybe a certain position, a certain job, a certain opportunity looked good on the surface, but we realized later that thing was going under and we didn't know it at the time. He could be protecting you from something so that you don't go under with it. Some things may be spiritually dead and have no eternal value. And it just needs to be cut out of your life. Number two, removing what is infected or diseased. Infected or diseased. These things are going to hold us back from bearing fruit in our lives. 
it's going to infect our faith. We could see things uh, through a, a watered-down faith, a diluted faith, because this thing is infecting the way we see things. We're not getting a, you know, the, the voice that keeps uh, throwing the doubt in there all the time. Yeah, I know you go to that church and they believe this. And, uh, and it's just like you're fighting against, uh, you know, you, you get faith built into you and then you go over here and it's like this person is just blah. And by the time you leave their presence, you just feel exhausted and infected with the wrong philosophy. So there are things uh, that we have to remove that are infected or diseased. These things can also be in our lives that we have to get rid of. It could be uh, fears. God wants us to address fears in our life and get rid of the fear, not allowing it. There are many things that if we choose to allow that fear to hold us in bondage, then we won't overcome and we won't be fruitful in that area because we refuse to deal with the fear. So it could be a fear. It could be a bad attitude around something. It could be uh, insecurities that we're not dealing with, and it will cause us to stay at that level, not bearing any more fruit because we don't deal with the insecurity. We don't deal with who we are in Christ. We don't gain the knowledge and the understanding or the principle that's needed. It could have to do with unhealthy patterns in our life, things that... that are not healthy for us, but we just keep doing it over and over and over and over. And we, it's part of our lifestyle. It's part of the way we live our life. It's, our, it's how we do things. And God says, I want you to get rid of it because it's, it's infecting you. It's causing the things to become diseased. When that fruit comes out, it's not a pure fruit. It's, it's a diseased fruit. It's not a whole fruit that, that's going to be good for you. It might even be... Uh, with relationships, unforgiveness, anything dealing internally uh, can, can be diseased, infected. Internally, or it can also be people on the outside where we realize it's causing us to be diseased and infected because of what they're sowing into us. Number three, to establish something in us. To establish something in us. Not everything God cuts away is a bad thing. Some things can be good. You look at that, that tree that's, that's bearing more branches off that branch. That looks like a good thing. But the thing is, it can't hold it. Pastor Brad's mom had a peach tree one time, and the thing was loaded with peaches, but the branches were breaking because it couldn't hold the peaches. So the thing ended up, the fruit died because the branches broke, and now no nourishment can get to it because it was overloaded. Sounds like a good thing, but nobody got the fruit off of it, and it died early. Those peaches never ripened because the branches broke. It was too heavy. So God will cut us, cut things off sometimes so that we're not receiving what it is that we think is oh so good because we have not dealt with certain things. We have unhealthy things in our life that need to be dealt with. If we're prioritizing something over God and making this an idol and we're not putting him as first priority, that good thing is not going to be good for us. If, oh God, if you just give me this job, if you just give me this raise, this promotion, this, if you just fix this financial issue, but my money situation and my money patterns never change, and that's really what's the problem, then why is another question mark dollar amount in your bank account, how is it going to help you? We think that it's going to help us because, well, I'll just do this and I'll just do that. But if the patterns in our life are not changed, it will not help us. It will dig us deeper. So he's doing it for our good. Responsibilities. Oh, but if I just had that position, if I just had this power, this influence, da 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 da, da. But you don't have the qualities to be able to hold it, then it will crush you. God will give us what we can handle, but if he overloads us, it will crush us. So he's doing it for our protection. Number four, to keep you focused, to keep you focused. Like I said, the branch, if it's got 17 other branches coming off of that one, well, then you're going to be all over the place. Well, I'm going here, I'm going there, and, and you're not focused. 
The branch is not focused on putting its energy into this one area. So it might have a lot of fruit, but the fruit, the, there might be a, a small cluster of grapes on each one, but they never really produce a lot because there's too much sap that's getting distributed to all of the branches in that one branch to keep you focused. Minister Lee, how can you come to the keyboard? So the key is to cooperate, to cooperate with the Lord, to cooperate with what he's doing. Realizing when I cooperate with him, when I go through the process, it's going to help me in the end. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to produce more fruit. I'm going to be better. This is for my good. Because God wants greater coming out of you. Greater coming out of you. After that pruning process, you know, when the, when the, the snips or the, the shears cut that, that branch, there's a time of healing that happens on that branch because now it's kind of like an open wound. It's like an open area. So the farmer or the vine dresser does this in the wintertime. The reason why is because in the summertime it can get infected because the sap is still out along the, the edges of the, the branch. It's very close to the surface of the the uh, the surface of the branch but in the winter time that sap pulls in tight on the inside and so when it's snipped then it, it's not getting it's you're not going to lose the sap and it's not going to get infected and the bugs are not going to get it and take it away and it's so it's it's this time in the winter that the pruning happens that winter time can feel very alone that winter time can sometimes feel cold. Like, what's going on? And now, here I am. Somebody's coming after me with the, the shearing prunes. Pruning things off. And it was already cold. <laughs> it was already, I was already feeling alone in this. But don't give up hope. Because this is the sign that fruit is coming and greater fruit than last season because you already grew in the last season and now this season he's cutting it to grow more fruit he didn't say that he prunes us to have the same amount of fruit come on he said i'm pruning you so that you have more fruit but we do have to cooperate with the process and you know, whenever we understand what's going on, then we are more willing to go through the process easily and, and, and relinquish things to the Lord. Because if we realize he's wanting to take this out, he's wanting me to release this, he's wanting me to get rid of this pattern, he's wanting me to gain some understanding in this area so that I can gain victory over this. He's wanting this person to be removed out and not to have that, that voice in my life because it, it's, it's only causing destruction. It's only causing this vein of me having to fight and, and it's, it's draining me. You saw the, the picture of the pruned trees. It can leave you feeling vulnerable and very exposed. Because honestly, it can be a time when you're really truly bearing your heart to God and you've got to deal with some issues yourself because of the, the surgery, because of the operation, and he's wanting to take things out. but understand when he takes something out he wants to plant something in he's not just going to leave the hole there he wants to plant something in that so something beautiful can grow you don't just uproot and and then leave a hole there something better is going to be planted that tree looks very vulnerable 
It's like you can see right into it. You can see right, and the other one's hidden. <laughs> it's like you look at the other one and all these branches, you can't tell, you can't even see the, the, the trunk in the middle. It's all hidden from all the foliage. And yeah, that looks great, but sometimes there can be a lot of fluff with that and not the realness. And so God wants us to be vulnerable with him. He wants us to be in a place where, yeah, I'm exposing. Because I want you to be healed, not hidden. I want you to be healed, not pretending like this is what it looks like. Like you're producing all of this, but the, there's not really the production. It's a lot of fluff. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Do not despise the Lord's chastening. It's not an empty promise. It's a promise of it's a promise of gaining more in our life. So when we look at it, we persevere. Because perseverance brings character into our life and character brings hope and hope does not disappoint well now you can have hope because now you know that ultimately what he's wanting to do is bring more fruit it's not pruning just to prune it's pruning to bring more fruit that's hope that's what gives you the 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 vision and the gumption to say okay let's do this Let's do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it through this, and I'm not just going to make it. I'm going to come through victorious, and I'm going to come through more fruitful. I'm going to come through with bigger, better fruit than ever before. I'm not going to withdraw. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to look at this and say, God, why was I doing this to begin with? Because it's not wasted. It's not wasted. God doesn't waste things. Everything works to the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose.